Today's text is from James chapter 3, verse 8. And as you're turning to it, I was wondering when Trey called us, did I have a bullseye on my back that he gave this verse to me? <laughs> but perhaps the Lord knew what I needed. And so here we are at James chapter 3, verse 8, which we will read together. But no human being can tame the tongue it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Before we turn to the word of God, let's turn to the God of the word. Again, our Father and our God, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, our Lord, our rock, and our redeemer. For Christ's sake, amen. I think Jesus singled out certain professions. Pharisees for one instance, but on the other hand, I think he singled out a particular group of individuals. And so when I come to this passage, I think he singled out people who belong to my fraternity. Physicians, heal thyself, he warned. So for the next 10 or 12 minutes that are allotted to us, I'm just going to speak to myself and you guys can all just listen in because I'm sure that none of you here has any problem with their tongues. Now, back in 1986, when some of you were just a twinkle in your parents' eyes, I was entering a school and I had to write exams. And one of the exams you actually didn't write, you actually saw. This was a particularly terrifying exam because you had to enter a big room where there were beds and on those beds sat patients. And the head of the room was a group of examiners who were watching you make every move. You had to go to each of these patients and you were not allowed to talk or examine them, but you will have instructions on their bed. It'll say something like, look at their feet or look at their skin and things like that. I still remember that the first patient that I saw was a little boy. He was about five or six years old. And all the instructions that were there as I went with my clipboard was look at the nails and look at the lips. I thought that should be easy. So I looked at it and I took a step back because it was blue. The lips were blue, the nails were blue. The little boy had a congenital heart disease. For some of you technical minded, it was the tetralogy of fallow. The problem was not that he needed new lipstick, but he needed a new heart. And so that's really what I'm thinking is our focus on as we talk about taming the tongue and perhaps taming the thumb, we start with the root cause, which James takes us, that is the problem with our tongues is really a problem of the heart. I really don't have too much to add to all that was said from day one. I told, that after, I told Trey that after Pastor John Henderson preached, I thought that my chest had been cracked open, but when, when Trey finished, I thought I'd had heart surgery. <laughs> so here's the context of what James is talking about. James is talking about growth into Christ-likeness. He's using the word wisdom, and since Christ is the wisdom of God, it is growth into Christ-likeness. With birth must come growth. If there is no growth, maybe there was no new birth. And one of the marks of the new birth is that our heart is changed, but one of the marks of why our heart is changed and how our heart is changed is what we do with our tongues. Philip Brooks in an earlier generation put it very memorably. We know metals by their tinkling 
and we know men by their talking. So today, our theme for this short devotion is the predicament and the solution. James gives us a predicament in verse 8, but who can tame the tongue? No man can tame the tongue. The word but introduces a comparison, and you can read it in the previous verses, horses and ships, but it says the tongue is a pervasive evil. It invades all of life and destroys relationships. And so when we come to this, I think Trey said it, word problems really reflect worship problems and who rules our heart. Our matter and our manner do matter. If you are prone to reading one proverb a day, you would have stopped at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, where it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. We either lift up or we destroy. We might have sung that old song, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never break me. Well, I have news for you. Words destroy my soul. A seminar on communication skills is not going to solve it. James says that our tongues is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. So the untamed tongue is now put out for all of us to see the good, the bad, the ugly. There's no good in it. It's the bad and the ugly and it gets uglier. Look at verse 14, you can see. First of all, it's self-seeking. And Trey said that best, isn't it? Today, the word that deceives is focused upon me, myself, and I. Only you have to drive along the road and somebody cuts me off and I say, how come you don't think about me as much as I think about me? That's our fundamental problem, isn't it? It goes from bad to worse, jealousy, earthly, and sensual, and then he caps it all. It's demonic. No man can serve two masters, isn't it? We can try and ride two horses. I wouldn't advise it. You'll be in the ER soon, but we try to. So here is the word that deceives. It's demonic. You only have to look at that Old Testament incident of the Tower of Babel where confusion resulted because of someone, a group of people saying, I don't need anybody about me. I don't need anybody to rule over me. Jesus said this best. After all, he was the best MD ever. He said, we will give an account for every word that we speak and every tree is known by its fruit. I remember one of the first times we visited UBC, I think it was Trey speaking there. He's done a lot of heart surgery on me. I mean, God has through him. Trey said, you know what gossip is? It's speaking about someone behind their back, what you would never speak to their face. We probably will dress it up and say, I'm only telling you this because you can pray about it. Slander and flattery Especially flattery is talking to someone in front of their face, what we would never tell behind their back. So these are unfortunately habit patterns that are belonging to the old heart. What is surprising is that we think when we have become Christians, we are going to be instantaneously glorified and sanctified and mummified. The knowledge of God is not an instantaneous download. So also I have news for you. Sanctification, the growth into Christ-likeness is two things that we don't like. It's slow and it's never complete on this side. We ha don't have a fast drive-through lane for sanctification. So that some of our habit patterns of speaking come over when we come into the new life and we are caught by surprise. Here's Nathan Bingham. In today's internet age, he says this, if the pen was mightier than the sword, 
In today's age, pixels are nuclear weapons. Today, there is no greater threat to the peace, the purity, and the unity of the 21st century as much as a Christian with an internet connection and a keyboard. That is the predicament. So that's why James says, who can tame it? But thank God the Bible is not like a bad doctor saying, you've got a problem and I can't solve it. The Bible has a greater solution because it is Christ in us. The first thing we do is we recognize it. And that is for what it is. I don't look at the check engine light which comes on my dashboard and say, can we please change that light? It points to a deeper problem, so we recognize for what it is, it is a heart transplant. If you want to know more, here's a shameless plug, come to the ABF. Pastor John Henderson's been taking classes on the heart matters. But we don't stop at recognizing it and saying, well, you know, yeah, looking at a mirror and saying, yeah, I don't look too bad and go on, we repent of it. We don't stop at recognizing it, repent of it, and like Newton, we say, I'm a great sinner, but Christ is a great savior. It's one of the respectable sins that we tolerate, that we just let loose whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want. And when Jesus was on the cross, here is all the restless evil and all the deadly poison out there in the tongue. It shout on him and what does Jesus say? Father, forgive them. The new heart that God gives is a gift of God's grace in forgiving us and forgiveness is the hallmark of the forgiven. Isn't that a lovely word? Until we have to forgive someone. The new creation gives us in Christ a new heart with a new orientation. First of all, a new vertical orientation towards God and a new horizontal orientation towards our neighbor, which responds in love. Self-love is now being replaced by love for God and love for neighbor. Emmanuel was God incarnate, now comes, it is literally like he unzipped us and comes into our heart through the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And through his spirit, he produced the fruit of the spirit. And one of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. And how we control our tongues is a mark of how we are going, growing in Christ. But the response that we are to do is not to broker grace. If principles could save us, then Jesus need not have come. The principles are there because they rest upon a person. When principles wander far from Christ, they are no more than a Boy Scout's manual. But we don't depend upon a principle, we depend upon Christ. And nevertheless, we are asked to be devoted and disciplined in how we deal with our tongue. So I want to say this again and again because do this or do that will not change us. It's, broker, it's not brokering grace, it's not to broker grace, but it's to respond in grace. I want to introduce the term renouncing and replacing. This is a principle which we forget, that the Bible doesn't talk just about not doing certain things, but also putting on certain other things. Here are the marks of wisdom. First of all, it is meek. Look at verse 16. Verse 13 is meekness, strength under control, and then it goes on to talk about the pure, the pure, the peaceable, the gentle, the willingness to yield, merciful, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Same chapter, verse 13. And if you want to know how to say it in one sentence, speaking the truth in love. In, new, in the new creation, we are given a new lens, the word of God, the love of God through which we see everything new, seeing with new eyes. 
so that you know what was told of jesus can become true of us no man spoke the way this man did and they all marveled at the words that were coming from his mouth and when peter and james or peter and john were going about you know what the testimony was they realized they were unlearned men but they had been with jesus there is no greater testimony that a christian can have than to be told you look like jesus what comes out of us when we are shaken and stirred now i'm not talking about born wanting a scotch i'm talking about on monday morning on tuesday morning when you're shaken and stirred what comes out of us it's really what's inside of us you know how we say oops i didn't mean to say that we probably ought to be saying oops sorry i did mean to say that because what comes out of us is what's really inside of us and that comes as a surprise because we have been given a new heart so how do we become like jesus if we don't have a new heart we are going to be listening to the old song and what we listen comes out the first thing is simple you go back to the basics jesus called people called disciples that they might be with him spending time with jesus that's not rocket science how is your time with jesus do you prioritize spending time with this in with him in his word jesus is the word of god he is the final word of god we heard last sunday this is my beloved son hear him which means listen to him take his counsel obey him look at proverbs 10 10 verses about the by about words we want to also pray to him before you post maybe you want to send it to a godly brother and say what do you think about it godly counsel the body of christ all of this we are doing with the attitude of this this is so important because we somehow become legalistic pharisees once we are saved i am loved therefore i obey it's not i obey and therefore i'm loved all these are in the context of grace the bible talks about replacing sinful behavior not just stopping wrong behavior joy comes in practicing righteousness not just in avoiding sinfulness mark devers counsel was given to pastors but i think this is really helpful you know we have a digital deception when we deal with people we forget that people pixels are people and somehow we forget by this shall all men know that you are my disciples that you love one another we behave as if we are functional atheists that god doesn't exist so here are a few principles you'll have to read a little bit more to get out of it but i will just tell them will it edify or tear down will it easily be misunderstood will it help evangelism will it bring unnecessary and unhelpful controversy will it help people appreciate someone better a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver is it boasting the new heart should be not unto us not unto us but unto your name alone o lord be glory because of your mercy because of your truth that ought to be when somebody wakes us up in the night and say how did you do it you say because of his mercy because of his truth not unto us not unto us is it boasting is it tone appropriate what do others advise now people are more than pixels so some conversations are better had face to face the apostle john wrote about i have many things to write to you but i will wait till i see you face to face change and this is an important principle not just for us but for all counseling situation you know change does not happen in fuzzy land 
It's kind of like Snoopy saying, I love mankind, it's just people that I can't stand. <laughs> when we want to grow and change, God has given us the tools. You know, in Second Peter, he says, God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. But I will be more loving is very fussy. How about you replace with, I'm going, instead of speaking words of irritation and anger, I'm going to speak two words of lifting up and sanctifying my wife when I leave for work and when I come back from work. This week, I'm going to stop complaining. And when I talk to my friend, I'm going to encourage him to love and good deeds by two sentences. God has given us two ears, but only one mouth for a reason, isn't it? How about impulsive talk being replaced by slowness of speech? Some of us forget that there's a difference between having to say something and having something to say. Maybe some of us should listen to Solomon's counsel in the multitude of words is much sin. And maybe I should listen to it as we bring this plane down to land. And that is this. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Goes on to, oh, be careful, little tongue, what you speak. Why? For the father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little lips, what you speak. Does our speech and my speech betray our pedigree so that when people look at us, they want to say, which family do you belong to? I want to be part of that family. Or do you still listen to the old word? This is the word that delivers. This is the word that became flesh. This is the word that came as tongues of fire and Pentecost and reversed the curse of Babel. This is the word which says, thou shalt not in the Old Testament as a prohibition, but now is given as a promise saying thou shalt not, so that he who began a good work will complete it. That's the hope that we have. I hope this week the Lord will tame our tongues and show himself to be the master so that he will be glorified. Let's pray. Set a watch, O Lord, over our lips. Let our speech be always seasoned with grace, adorning the gospel of Christ for the sake of your Son, Jesus, in whom's name we pray. Amen.